Hey everyone, and welcome to the Nerd Room, where we talk all things comics and movies. This is episode number 40, where in celebration of Batman Day, we're going to be discussing Batman. Woo! I'm your host, Tim. I'm Sanjay. I'm Batman. Um, no, I'm Troy. <laughs> there it is, that voice, that deep. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice throaty voice, yeah. you know. I, I can't pull it off. Mine just sounds like Adam West, like, you know, on helium. I'm Batman. <laughs> Right off the top here, I wanted to give a shout out to our new podcast that's dropping next week. That's right. So this is our Star Wars Rebels Alert podcast. So we finally have a title for yeah, it. Yeah, sounds nice. good. Yes, exciting. So Rebels drops this weekend, 8.30 on Disney XD. We were going to be doing an after show, a weekly after show, discussing the fallout from all of the episodes of Rebels. And yeah, we're really excited to get this going. Can't wait. Yes. I mean, if you guys can't get enough of us talking about Star Wars already, <laughs> yeah. be sure to tune in to Rebels Alert. <laughs> I'll yes. be there, as oh. long as I get to do the theme song. For sure. Yes. Yes. sure. <laughs> so make sure to follow us. We are at SW Rebels Alert on Twitter, and we also have a Facebook page. And just a reminder, this will be dropping on the Nerd Room Podbean and iTunes feed. So no need to go to a new, new separate podcast. It's going to be there in the same feed, just coming out a few days earlier than our normal Nerd Room podcast. So guys, you know, I'm really excited for your podcast. I'll be the first one to listen, and uh, I'll be there if you guys need like a uh, roadie or someone to set up the equipment. Just give me a holler, and uh, I'll be there. Nice. So this weekend, you know, we, we live in Calgary, and so me and the wifey, you know, took a trip up to Canmore, beautiful city. While we were there, I discovered what might quite possibly be the last video rental store in southern Alberta, Avalanche Video. I was like, it was like I was in heaven. Like, I've never been to a video rental store for the last like five years. Oh, it was awesome. It just brought me right back, guys. Like, Did they have video games? I, they had video games. They had Super Nintendo games, oh. Sega Genesis games. I even saw a copy of Shaq Fu there. Shaq Fu? Shaq Fu. The fighting game? The fighting game. <laughs> I, I also, I had a copy growing up, but uh, they tried to make a Kobe Fu, but it just wouldn't take off. Kobe 64, man. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, you know, it's not too late. The video rental store lives again. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because yeah. for those of you that are new to the podcast, Sanjay here has yet to embrace the digital era and Boo. refuses to. Hey, Netflix, I'm taking you on. I don't think it's going to last. I think it's just a fad, guys. Yes, iTunes and all that. Yes. Yeah. So, so you like Netflix when it's on uh, the CD as opposed to the <laughs> I, I mail it in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I only get three a month. So. Yeah, he's still sending that check to Netflix, hoping to get a DVD in the mail. <laughs> still has a Blockbuster card. Yeah. Oh, I we, wish. We still have Blockbuster videos. We're the oh, prime man. reason why they went out of business. People yeah. like myself and my wife. Who, I got VHS is a it says blockbuster on the yeah. side. Oh, so cool. Those are collectors' items, man. They're also stolen. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know they're bankrupt, so they can't afford to hire a lawyer. But uh, I'm telling you, if you had like a blockbuster copy of Star Wars or something, that that go for a pretty penny. I bet you in the open market. I just made that up. I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. I, I hope so. I don't know. I'm just living the dream. One day, Blockbuster will make its glorious return. Unless it comes back in a digital format, like Blockbuster oh, Netflix. I think it is exactly. already in the States. Like Blockbuster has like a digital format that's just not catching on. So. But it's such a saturated market right now, right? Yeah. Like it's dominated by Netflix. And the fact, too, that they have, like we discussed last week, their own content now. And then you're getting all these networks doing the same thing. Yeah. Blockbuster missed their opportunity to go digital. They had, oh, they yeah. had the market cornered. And they just didn't take on what Netflix did. Mm-hmm. It went and evolved into more of a digital format. All right, so news, hit me up. 
We have a whole podcast discussing Star Wars, so are we still allowed to talk Star Wars here? Of course Let's we are. Let's do it, always. Yeah, so who's going who's gonna to say anything besides me? <laughs> well, I read the outline, so I... <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Rogue Ones. We had a little bit of news coming out of there. So we discussed yep. a couple weeks ago the Force Friday, which is next Friday. So you guys are hearing this on Thursday. A week and a day, we'll be waiting in line at Toys R Us for our first look at the Force Friday Rogue One, Rogue Friday, whatever you want to call it, action figures. And we speculated a bit about the Funko Pops that were coming in the Smuggler's Bounty Funko Collector's case. And it looks like we're getting a Jyn Erso with Mountain Gear. So nice variant there. And also a Death Trooper variant as well. Gotta have the Death Trooper, right? Yes. Oh, of course. I think one of... Three iterations of the Death Trooper. I think this one has a gun in its hand. Oh, okay. So slightly exclusive. Not as much as I had hoping mm-hmm. for. Like there's a Chrome one out there that looks pretty cool. And But it is nice to see that they announced the Smuggler's Bounty. So that's something that I get every month. And now that I'm moving, I have to send it to Troy's house. So I don't know if I'll ever see it again. <laughs> so, so what's the difference between a Stormtrooper and a Death Trooper? Well, Stormtroopers are like the white costume. Yeah, the classic looking. Yeah, the classic yeah. looking from the original yeah, trilogy. Yeah. yeah. They uh, are quite clumsy. Okay, yeah. yeah. They can't aim. No. Okay, Great so poor shots. Infiltry, like, you know, the guys at Civil War who had, like, the drums and the trumpets. Yeah, they're, like, the frontline guys. Yeah, Because okay. just kind of send. And the Death Troopers are more like your, for lack of a better comparison, your Hitler SS squad. Okay. They're your Death Squad. They're your elite soldiers. And they seem to be under the command of this director, Krennic. The idea, the concept of a black hole stormtrooper or a Death Trooper comes from the old extended universe and now legends universe and that was something that's quite popular so there's a lot of toy iterations there's hot toys of black hole stormtroopers from the past which are just basically black painted stormtroopers but now these have evolved (laughs) quite quite a bit yeah different masks and that so it's pretty cool they can have the green lenses which makes them quite obvious looking yeah cool they should have one of every color like a rainbow stormtroopers like the like the green lantern rings yeah like a daft punk trooper like a daft punk that'd be amazing it's one of those things in the Star Wars universe, too, where each movie has the introduction of a different type of stormtrooper. So the original trilogy, we had, you know, your bulk standard stormtrooper, mm-hmm. then you have your snowtrooper in Empire, yeah. your scout trooper in Return of the Jedi, and the clones yes. in yes. the prequel trilogy. Of course. And now you're with Force Awakens, Force you Force had the different type of stormtrooper. Yeah. Phasma. Phasma, yeah. and you also had the different snowtroopers introduced mm-hmm. there. The flames as well. Right? Yeah, flame troopers. Yeah. Yeah. And Rogue One, now you have these what are called Scarif Troopers, Death Troopers. So it's really cool to see the evolution, how they're able yeah. to each different movie pull in a different type of stormtrooper. Also dropping in a few weeks, November 15th, is the Rogue One prelude book called Catalyst. Yes. yes. And they released a short synopsis. So I'm not going to read it out because there's some slight spoilers in there. But I'm going to summarize it here in the next couple sentences. It's focused around Galen Erso, mm. which is Mad Mickelson's character in The Father of Jyn Erso. And it goes through his relationship with director Krennic right. and the development of the ultimate super weapon. That's all that's kind of really in there. That's the summary. There's some more detail in there, mm-hmm. but won't go into it. But it looks really exciting. It looks like a must read before Rogue One. And being that it comes out a month before Rogue One, mm-hmm. it's it's got to get your hands on it. I think it's about 300 pages. So it took a little bit of time audiobook, a little bit of time to read through, but yeah. I think it's be worth a good read prior to going into Rogue One. Just for that little added bit of universe before you go in. I can't wait. I'm wondering if they're going to touch on Attack of the Clones a little bit. Because watching back Attack of the Clones, you actually do see the blueprint design of the Death Star. So I wonder if it goes that far back that these two were in talks of the Death Star. Well, yeah, because in Revenge of the Sith, yeah. 
at the very end, the Emperor and Vader are looking yes. up at the shell whoa, whoa, of the whoa, Death whoa, Star. Whoa, whoa. Exactly. Spoiler alert, people. <laughs> You'll so... be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> Last thing here. Star Wars issue number 26 of the comic series by Jason Aaron. This thing is incredible. Yeah. If you're not reading this and you're a Star Wars fan, I don't know what you've been doing for the last year, so get into it. Because what they do in this series in particular is every 10 issues or so, they step back and Luke has his journal of Obi-Wan's. And they do a story where Luke is reading a story told from the perspective of Obi-Wan. And it plays out that story using Obi-Wan as the focal point in that comic. So we're going back and revisiting Obi-Wan stories while he's on Tatooine post-Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. And what they're doing with issue number 26 is they're going back and telling a Yoda story. Ooh. A pre-Phantom Menace Yoda story with Jason Aaron promising an appearance of a younger Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn. Oh, man. So it's the first time we're stepping outside of the boundaries of the films in this new canonical Star Wars universe. And I'm really excited to see what they do. I don't know how far back they're going, mm-hmm. if they're doing more of an origin story, or if it's just purely going to be some sort of Yoda adventure. Yeah. But the image that they did post on StarWars.com had him holding a lightsaber facing a group of adversaries. Yoda. Yes. He had a green lightsaber? Yeah. Oh, wow. He might be like 500, 600 years old. Yeah, something like that. You never know. Yeah. You never know. So here's my thing about Yoda. Okay, so I watched, you know, growing up, I heard a lot about Star Wars. Yoda always mentioned all the time mm-hmm. so i was like okay this guy must be in star wars a lot he's like what 12 minutes of screen time for the first three movies like but some really significant screen exactly. time. Yeah, he's like, just... it's like boba fett right yeah that's another right. thing too right. you always hear about boba fett barely in it same with uh jabba the hut you know like I, growing up i always tell you the star wars people always heard about them so i expected them to be like you know a good solid like he's a Jedi Master, though, right? Yoda is the Jedi Master, yeah. Master of all, right? So it's true, it's true. No, I mean, I heard it's a big he, deal. He's more in the prequels. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's yeah. a big significant part in the prequels. Oh, yeah. He's cool. played out right through there. Mm-hmm. You cool. see a lot more of his evolution of character and that. And mm-hmm. we never really saw Yoda as a fighting Jedi in the original trilogy. That's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. and you're going back, particularly in Attack of the Clones, yes. where you do see him pull that lightsaber. And it's an incredible scene. And it's, it, it gets a bit kind of CG okay yeah, there. Well, yeah. So the issue with Yoda in that time frame between A New Hope and Empire is that he's just chilling on Dagobah. Yeah. So there's not much you can really do with him. And like we were talking about before the podcast, Troy brought up a good point that it seems that he's always been there. He never like went off world to do some other mission or something like that. He's just yeah. been there meditating, isolated, in exile, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be really cool to see what they have in store for Yoda pre-Phantom Menace. So this drops in December at some point. I'm not sure the exact release date, but look out for that because that's an awesome story that, you know. Wow, I'm looking forward to Marvel Comics. They're they're, they're killing the game right now. Star Wars, right? It's so good. But it's interesting because, you know, with Vader closing at 25... Have they made any announcements about Star Wars ending at 20... Well, I guess no, it's going it's, on it's still. No, it's going on, I think. Yeah. I think they're going to carry this book through. I'm not sure why they're ending Star Wars. Or Vader. I'm not sure why they're ending Vader. Yeah. So let's see what they have. Because they're clearly not going to let this drop. Because these are yeah. huge sellers for Marvel. Big time. Particularly at a time where they're getting absolutely crushed by DC. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think a lot of that's the rebirth. But yeah, I mean, Star Wars sells huge. So they're yeah. going to keep that stuff going for a yeah. long time. So sticking with Marvel. The Civil War Blu-ray came out this past week well the steel book let's let's yes. all uh well they all came out but the steel book is what we all picked up oh yeah oh yeah is this the first steel book that all three of us bought force awakens yeah i got force awakens steel book yeah. oh me too yeah nice. what so, uh what covers do you guys have i have the uh 
bad guy? Kylo Ren? Kylo Ren? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I put Kylo Ren as well. Okay, same. Yeah. And you? Yeah, Kylo Ren. Okay, and that actually was on the Best Buy, like at the store. I just came in after work, and then it was just like the last copy. I just happened to get it, so. What did you guys think of the cover of this one? Cause oh my goodness, Loved Civil it. War. Yeah. This was an incredible cover. Yeah, with the, the the shield and the Iron Man mask kind of split in half. And you got the embossed case at the front with the rift in it. Yeah. yeah. And you flip around on the back, and you got the reflective image so straight sick. out of issue number seven. Just oh. gorgeous. Gorgeous. Oh, yeah. So good. My one nitpick is I wish the Iron Man um, helmet was a little bit bigger compared to the cap shield. But other than that, it's flawless. The inside with the airport scene, it's magnificent. Yes, it's good stuff. So did you have a chance to check out the content on it? Yes, yes I did. I checked out United We Stand, uh, Divided We Fall, yes, Making Civil up. War. Yeah. Nice. This, I'm telling you guys right now, like I mentioned it before, in my opinion, when it comes to um, bonus content, I feel the prequels, Star Wars, holds it down. Really? They, they give you a lot of content, but this right here, my opinion, rivals it. I think wow. you get some really good bonus content in this Blu-ray. Um, it's incredible, man. I love it. The fight coordinator, uh, what's uh, James Young? The yeah. guy that does the choreography, I should say. Um, he's done Winter Soldier. He's okay. done Guardians of the Galaxy. Even G.I. Joe. Say what you want about that movie. But the fight scenes are pretty <laughs> fight cool. Fight were cool, yeah. So this guy knows his stuff. And I just, I loved what we got out of this. Oh, yeah. And my big takeaway from this was when, I, when I'm watching it, I'm sitting there thinking like, oh my God, the writers, the directors, yeah. the characters, the actors, they're all thinking what we're thinking. When, exactly. when we're worrying about why Ant-Man is on Cap's team mm-hmm. and why Black Panther is on Iron Man team, they're worrying about the same thing and trying to explain it in movie. Yeah. That's cool. And these guys are talking about Infinity War and the implications for what happens in Civil War for the other Marvel movies. So it's all lining up. It's just not these isolated movies being constructed. Mm-hmm. They are concerned with everything else that's going on. And it's fantastic to see something that you care so much about and something you have so much invested in that they have that same investment. Yes, it's their job and all that, but at the same time, we've seen directors and all that take things and go sideways and do their own thing in isolation. And then coming out the other side, you're kind of like, well, this doesn't really fit the universe. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> I thought for a second there you were going to rag on Zack Snyder. I was like, just leave the man alone, okay? Well, he has some form of continuity in his brain. You know, It yeah. might not completely always work, but he hasn't gone and like ripped apart a universe and made no sense out of it. Yeah. At least he's kept consistent. I and mean, he's directed all the movies, but at Marvel, they've got a crew in the background that are really excited for these movies and when i watch this i get even more excited the fact that too they're talking about you know the concept of we didn't want a superpowered villain we didn't want them to have to come together at the end of the movie yeah. and be like rah 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 avengers assemble we're exactly. all back together yeah. no they wanted this to be a fragmentation story where they at the end of the movie the avengers are in pieces disassembled if you will mm-hmm. and that's exactly what it is and when i hear these guys talking about infinity war as they're filming civil war yeah. i'm thinking like these guys are thinking three four years out of what they do in these movies and how that affects their their story further on and I think it's just great to see. Absolutely agree. It's one yeah. of the best movies this year. I mean, I had such a fun time at the theater, and I, I can't wait to watch it again. I love this movie. I think it's one of the best Marvel movies that they've ever done. I have it just below Winter Soldier, but yeah, as Tim said, like you could definitely see the seeds being planted, where it's a nice lineage for the Captain America trilogy, where you start off, you have Cap, and it's just it's just a straight-up Cap film. And you have the Winter Soldier where, you know, it's like the spy espionage thriller with Winter Soldier thrown in there. And then you have Civil War where it's kind of like this huge, expansive uh, universe. So, kind of the payoff, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very few trilogies. The third one is considered the best. And this one here, you could argue that the third one is the best in the Cap trilogy. 
Yeah. And there's, there's always this theme of escalation within the Cap series itself. You go from an origin story to something even bigger involving more characters to eventually a more or less an Avengers movie, but with a self-contained Cap story mm-hmm. in it. And it feels like a Cap story. Yes. These feel like Cap movies all the way through, even though you're introducing Falcon and you have Black Widow in there and Civil War, you have the whole Avengers crew and you're playing with a antagonist, if you will, Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And you have in the background Hydra still kind of floating around there. And, and these concepts and these threads that they pull through this whole series of movies stemming right back and answering and getting your payoff for Bucky in Civil War mm-hmm. that was seeded all the way back in 2011 in the original Cap series, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the fact that they've kept consistent actors all the way through yep. and they've just, you know, really put together a narrative that makes sense for Captain America. You yeah. have a beginning and middle and somewhat of an end for a Cap story. If you were to package this up and you have Cap at the end, they're walking, smiling. And yes, that is sending us off into a new Avengers realm and you get an open-ended yeah. trilogy there, essentially. But at the same time, I feel like there's some closure to that story, to the Bucky story, even though he ends up on ice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I felt that they concluded that series properly yeah. and I'm ready for the next set of movies to come out of that. Exactly. Marvel does such a good job of this, right? I mean, you look back at Guardians, a movie like Guardians really should have failed. I mean... You know, a talking tree, a, yeah. a talking raccoon. Yeah. You know, it's kind of crazy. And they still pull it off and they do such a good job. And in this movie, the stakes were so high. They got Spider-Man in there. They introduced Black Panther. They even bring back General Ross from yeah. Incredible Hulk. They do such a good job of handling their characters. Yeah. It just blows my mind. So. And that's usually a movie that they try to somewhat ignore because of the issues with Edward Norton. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And the fact that they're willing to come full circle, they had that end credit scene with General Ross and Tony Stark. So they did have history and they played off of that. Yes. And yeah. bringing that background and saying, no, no, no. Like the Hulk is part of this universe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That movie is part of this universe, even though we're going to push it aside somewhat and we're not really going to show any scenes from it ever (laughs) yeah yeah um you know we may never get iron man 4 depending i think we will know you think we will know we will know okay you listen to tony stark on this making yes he sits there and says they're letting me have leeway with this character i have creative input into this character i think that's why you're seeing him show up in spider-man yes and i would not doubt that he becomes this thread this nick fury that shows up continually in other movies yeah and maybe not even in the iron man suit yeah like you might not even get that in spider-man he might Mm -hmm. just be a mentor figure for peter parker which Mm -hmm. he was more or less in civil war Mm -hmm. and him showing up and doing recruiting or something to that effect leading into infinity war i think he's going to be still the main character in infinity war definitely agree oh yeah. for sure he's the most popular character in the marvel cinematic universe i mean he's rivaled by cap now i, think. I would I, say so. i don't think so yeah. i mean if you look at the box office grosses between iron man and cap iron man you know his movies are always up there That's compared to cap yeah yeah they are it's yeah. the iron man 3 is the big pivotal one so iron man <laughs> iron man 2 yeah are on par with winter soldier and civil war as far as domestic grosses oh, okay but yeah. iron man 3 had that post avengers bump exactly. it was the first yeah. movie out of the gate after yeah. the massive success of the first avengers yeah it's probably the least favored of the iron man movies i would say so yes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah i still enjoy it yeah. but it doesn't have that same weight behind it that you did with the first iron man that is clearly the best that's a oh, trilogy sure. that you saw with diminishing returns yeah. it's still good and it still seeds a lot and it, it took a lot of the weight of the universe and trying to build it up rather quickly yes well you're trying to build in thor and hulk and iron man and all that yeah into one cohesive universe iron man 2 in particular took the burden of it building yeah. that universe. Yeah. 
Particularly with Shield. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I still enjoyed. I know a lot of people... Yeah. I really like Backlash, But I actually really enjoy Iron Man 2. Me I really too. like Whiplash and the opening scene with the yeah. race cars. That's cool. I like that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely have my issues with it. I mean, the scene when Iron Man pees himself at the party is just a little off with me, but... Uh... Well, that was their attempt to do the <laughs> demon in a bottle story. Yeah. Line, yeah. They couldn't really broach that the way that was written in the mm-hmm. comics. And they yeah. kind of tried to touch on it. But yeah, yeah I agree. It was yeah. a bit much. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was fine. Like, but... you know, it's just... To me, it was just like an average film like i don't hate it i don't love it yeah. but definitely iron man one is the high bar of that yeah. of that series definitely. but when it comes to trilogies for me i'm on cap I yeah mean, me too cap one two and three they just get better and better and then they're so good that you go back to the previous movie and you like that movie even more yeah. so right yeah it's incredible what they're doing i agree so you know if we're lining them up iron man one two three versus cap one two three oh yeah just quickly iron man one versus cap one which one do you like better i'm probably with iron man yeah iron man yeah I'm going to go with Cap. Really? Nice, nice. I, don't wow. know, I, I don't know. I'm in a Cap mood right now. Yeah. You know? This might not be a, an opinion I have <laughs> later on tonight. Yeah. It's an opinion I have right now. Just thinking back, and I love the period piece. I know we've it discussed this before, but yeah, it's it's fantastic we, movie. We okay. have to do a director's commentary. Not director's commentary, because we didn't direct this movie, but a commentary of Cap First Avenger. 100%. I'd even oh, lay out, let's do a huge retrospective series. Yes. For sure. Let's yeah. do it. Let's Inside do it. of the Nerd Room News Weekly Podcast, let's yep. get into a ret- retrospective series and, yep. and go back and review all these movies. Absolutely. Maybe before building into Infinity War. So yep. we have a couple years yet to build that out because that's going to take some time. To That'll be the first character. And we'll start with uh, Captain America. Captain America, Death Too Soon. Captain America, Captain yeah. America, the first Avenger. You're Captain the only America one I know that owns Soldier. all those. They're such good films. Like. I'm a Cap fan, huge Cap fan. I haven't even touched those. I didn't know if it was Captain America or Super Dave. So bad. Okay, so then we have uh, Cap Winter Soldier, Iron Man 2 quickly. Winter Soldier. Oh, Winter Soldier. Winter yeah. Soldier. And now we have Cap 3, uh, Civil War, and Iron Man 3. Civil War. Civil War. War. Yeah. yeah, so Cap takes a 2-1. to one. Yeah, there you go. There's also a few deleted scenes in there. There's four, yes. to be exact. And I felt three of them didn't really have any impact on the movie. Mm-hmm. But there's one specifically, and it's involving Cap, okay. Winter Soldier, and Falcon. Yes. Oh, okay. And we see Captain America drop his shield. Ooh. Bucky picks it up, yep. hucks it at War Machine. Falcon catches it, and then throws it back to Cap. <laughs> That's sick. So we have all three of these characters touching the shield. Yeah. One Falcon in midair having the shield. Mm-hmm. And then Bucky turns to Cap and says, I gotta get me one of these. Yes. That's awesome. Oh, That's I a great it. line. And so good. I don't know why they took it out. It seems like maybe it was foreshadowing a bit too heavy-handedly. Too, yeah, too much on the nose, eh? Yeah. yeah. It's it's kind of nice. They did that in the original Captain America where he does pick up the shield at one point yeah. and fights with it, as well as when a soldier, he picks it up and puts it to his face, Right. the shield. So yeah. it would have been all three movies that where Bucky is foreshadowed to have essentially taking up the Captain America mantle. That's right. I wish they had kept that in there. I know. We, yeah. Do you see at least when they do take on, they, the, when they tag team Iron Man, they do toss around the yeah. shield. Incredible scene, right? That's one yeah. of my, that trailer where that scene was released, I watched that a thousand times. <laughs> right? I love it. And, and, you know, going off of this movie again, like, I don't know, man. I think I think Robert Downey Jr. is like an Oscar nom, maybe. Because his really? performance, yeah, he, wow. he has some pretty big acting chops in this movie. I've yeah. watched it over and over again, and I, yeah. I haven't, you know, it's still uh, early to see, because I haven't seen all the Oscar movies yet, right? But... His performance in this movie, I think, is just on another level. They're, they're uh, all good. Like, yeah. He's, he's really believable in this movie. That yeah. would be something that'd be pretty cool. It would be pretty cool. I have to agree, because, and a lot of Robert Downey Jr.'s acting is his ability to talk. Yes. But this was emotions that he was expressing with his face. Yeah. And a lot of it's because it's in that Iron Man helmet. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're, he has to express all of his emotions using his, his words yeah. as well as his face. And, oh, yeah. And when he's fighting the Winter Soldier and he shoots him in the face, that look from the trailer.
trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, the whole, you know, I was your friend. Yes. And just yeah. the way he's upset at the, like, it's so right. good. And, and so even good. when General Ross is breaking the news to them, to the Avengers, and he's, he's laying out his line to those guys, and it's just like, wow, like, look at this guy go, yeah. man. Yeah. He's hunting yeah. it down. He wants, yeah. that, wants that Oscar drop by his side. Well, he so. might get a nerdsy, you know, this year. He has my nerdsy. Yeah, Troy is yeah. going to join us for our second annual. Tim C. The P.O. Yeah, the nerdsy is the second annual. Guys can have a look forward to that episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know if they touched on this, but when did Iron Patriot turn back into War Machine? When Iron Man 3 was not well received. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like the Iron Patriot costume. It looks pretty sick. You know, I never liked it. I liked it in the comics. I never actually liked it on the big screen. In the comics, I liked it because it's, you know, is Norman Osborn oh, okay. uh, carrying the mantle. But nice. I never really liked it in the movie. I kind of felt like it wasn't necessary, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. It's just another toy to sell. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think yeah. what they did here was they've toned it back from him being a government pawn and made him more of an Avenger. So mm-hmm. not having that Iron Patriot suit, which closely associates him with being a U.S. Avenger, if you will. Right. I know they are Avengers and they're based in the U.S. and all yeah. that, but <laughs> they feel like they're defending the world as opposed to him being a government lackey, if you will. Or something yeah, that's right. right. That's right. And going enough. off his costume, you know, they mentioned in the in the content, it really is more bulky. Yeah. It really yeah. is War Machine, right? Yeah. I love the look of it. Oh, I love the uh, gun on the shoulder. That's the best part. Oh, it's so good. And that ping pong paddle he pulls out. Yeah. Because <laughs> that was the pop. It was really weird because the Funko Pop for War Machine had this weird paddle. Oh, weird. And everyone's like, what the hell is that? And he pulls it out at one point. He's like, I'm going to hit you with this cap. It might hurt. And it breaks in like two minutes. <laughs> oh, really? I, I, mean, I had to rewatch this movie. I thought he hit Ant-Man with it or I something. He might have. I can't <laughs> We should have our first, our first annual appreciation of War Machine Day. He's underrated, I think. I think he's. I think he's. I think he's better than Falcon in terms of sidekicks. Oh, oh, for sure. Every movie Falcon's been in, he's he's kind of not stolen the show, but he's uh, he's shown his colors, man. He's he's great, Falcon. And even if he gets like the smallest material, he's so charismatic. This guy, yeah, I like the actor, right? And and on paper, me like besides the Sam Wilson one, I've never been a Falcon guy. Yeah, never really cared for him. But Anthony Mackie just takes his character character to another level. That everybody can kind of vibe with, right? Yeah, he's cool, but yeah. if they fought, he would get destroyed by a war machine, is all I'm saying. He lost mm-hmm. to Ant-Man, guys. He don't lose to Ant-Man. <laughs> he was butt kicked <laughs> by an Ant-Man. I'm Team Falcon. Yeah, I'm Falcon for <laughs> sure. All right, guys, tweet us. Team War Machine or Team Falcon? Team Sidekick. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, we talked about Suicide Squad versus Justice League. That's right. The big first DC Comics rebirth crossover event coming down the pipe here yep. in a little bit this past week they announced that zod will be joining task force x right in time for this crossover event kneel before zod yeah kneel <laughs> love that line yeah which like the original or like the uh man of steel one does he say that in, in the original he just says like, kneel like it's a little, little yeah, yeah i don't know <laughs> I, I, to me michael shannon killed yeah. it hey kneel yeah <laughs> 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 there's Neil and he's before yeah. Zod uh, I think Michael Shannon was a better Zod than uh, Terrence Stamp oh he's the best yeah. controversial maybe but yeah does this give him a little more clout now can they fight the Justice League I know I think they eventually team up yeah but maybe this gives them a little bit more power in their back pocket to actually take on the Justice League. Yeah, this makes a little more sense now. Because, like, you know, you're, you're a Suicide Squad guy here, Sanjay. So you know <laughs> roughly what the lineup was. Because I'm not too familiar with the Rebirth lineup or, oh, even okay. the, pre, or the New 52. So who, who was there? We, we got, uh, um, so the Rebirth was Harley Quinn, yeah. Killer Croc, Captain Boomerang. Deadshot. Um, Deadshot. Um, I haven't actually read this comic. Uh. 
It was kind of oh, ca- Katana. Yeah, Katana. Yeah, yeah it fe- it felt it had uh, fallen off my list. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw that Zod was joining, he's my favorite villain. So I'm like, shit, now I have to pick this up because nice. there's so few Zod stories out there. So that's what I was wondering. I'm like, where's this guy been? But this makes more sense now. They can go a little, not toe to toe, but at least they can have some fighting chance. Yeah, I because think- he takes Zod out the mix. They're getting oh killed. yeah, yeah. I think Zod, you know, maybe he'll have like his powers raised a bit. You know how it always is, like the villain always gets his powers raised to fit the situation. Like you could have Riddler fighting Superman and they'd have to like amp up Riddler's intelligence to make it a fair fight. They always do that. Yeah. So I, I'm excited. I love Zod. As I said, he's my favorite villain. I don't know why he's my favorite villain. I don't know what that says about me, but I, I just love Zod. So I'm in. Tim, does this uh, draw you in? Cause you know, you're a, uh, you said you enjoyed Man of Steel. Is Zod, is he someone that has enough star power to interest you in this event? Uh, I'm going to say no, but <laughs> I will read this event. I'm just going to read the, whatever it is, six issue series. I'm not going to do any of the tie-ins or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And because I think it comes out weekly, which is nice. Yeah. So it's almost like reading a trade. Right. And I'm interested and intrigued a bit by the concept of Suicide Squad versus Justice League. And I haven't been keeping up a lot with Rebirth, but apparently this has some implications. And I have a feeling we're going to see some sort of Watchmen influence in this story. Mm-hmm. That'd be and we're cool. going to get some explanation of that. Because they talk about, in the synopsis, another team of sorts coming right. into this. Yeah. Another greater evil, which, in my mind, I'm like, ah, maybe they're starting to talk about Watchmen a bit. Yes. And trying to get that out into the public a bit more as far as understanding the evolution and where Rebirth actually came from, this whole Dr. Manhattan thing. Right. I have no idea if they've actually explained it or not in the books. Not really. Do, do, do we know if this is going to be like carried on in a Justice League issue or is it going to be its yeah. own thing? So I think it crosses over into two issues of Justice League okay. and two issues of Suicide Squad. Okay. okay. Maybe more. So it's like the main series as well as one or two issues of the others as they tie in. I don't know if it's going to be like a one, two, three, Justice League, Suicide Squad, right. four, five, six, yeah. Justice League, Suicide normally, Squad. Normally DC does that. Yeah. 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 So it probably will. Or you have to read. So I guess yeah. I do. If I am reading it, you have to read have those. To. They're yeah. not just side stories or some different perspective like Captain Boomerang's perspective. Yeah. On this whole yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I mean, I've been reading Justice League and it's kind of fallen a little bit for me from issue four. I've yet to pick up issue five yet, oh, okay. but I do know, I don't want to give too, too many spoilers about Detective Comics, but something did happen at the end of that last issue where another character has been introduced, Dr. Oz, I think of some sort, uh. which people are speculating that he's one of the Watchmen too. So, you know, we already know there's a, there's a Dr. Manhattan, yeah, and then we know that there's this other doctor out there, which I'm pretty sure he's a Watchman as well. I haven't been keeping up with the Flash comic books, but I think they've also been trying to pull off the strings of the Watchmen. Stuff so I wouldn't be surprised if like what you guys are saying that they're teaming up against the Watchmen. So I, I'll, I'll have to pick it up I guess because I'm following um, Justice League, but I'm just yeah. not much of a Suicide Squad guy. So. Yeah. Well, maybe this will change your tune. I hope so. Yeah. Sticking <laughs> with the DC. Yes. This past week, September seventeenth to be exact, was the third annual observance of Batman Day. Yeah. Yay, Batman! Woo! So DC Comics seems to have arbitrarily chosen this day because I could not find. No, albeit I did not look super hard on the internet today <laughs> as I was looking through this as to why September 17th is the significant day that they've chosen to be Batman Day. Because my understanding is his first appearance was in May of 39 okay. in Detective Comics number 27. So I don't quite know why September 17th is the day of significance. I don't know if it's some significant day in DC's history or if it's Bob Kane's birthday or I have no idea. We'll just say it's Batman's birthday. I have no idea either. (laughs) 
It's kind of strange, but Zack Snyder, in celebration of this, yes. released two images from the set of Justice League. That is coming to a close, their production on that, at least the principal photography. Mm-hmm. And he first released a new image of Batman in a tactical suit, as he called it. Mm-hmm. That's right, yeah. What are your thoughts on this Night Owl-looking <laughs> Batman? It does look an awful lot like Night Owl. The thing for me is the goggles. Yes. Um... But I heard um, some stuff online, like the goggles are supposed to be like, in the comics, how his eyes are always white. So the goggles might like flare up white and then they're used for like navigating some sort of ship or something. So I think they do serve a purpose, but on first glance, like they do look an awful lot like Night Owl. I don't know, like the costume looks kind of like Christopher Nolan, like besides the goggles, like the uh, armor. That's kind of a vibe the I The ears got. are a bit shorter, it looks like. Yeah, I'm not feeling this uh, this costume. Well, negatives, I guess. I don't like the goggles. I agree with you completely. I hate mm-hmm. the ears because it just looks way too much like Night Owl. Yeah. Um, I really wish they would just go like the T'Challa route and give him like the cool eye lens to make oh, him look yeah. like the classic Batman. I, yeah. I think that looks so cool. We've never seen that on the big screen except yeah. for maybe Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight where he kind of did that little vision Oh, that's cool, yeah. That's kind of cool. And I wish they went more of that route as opposed to goggles. We saw the goggles already in uh, BVS for that nightmare sequence. Yeah. <clears throat> but going off his actual costume, the armor, I really liked the, the padded like abs and like the shoulder piece. I like that. It looks very um, Batman Arkham Asylum like, like the video yeah. game. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. And I wish the ears, they just, I just wish they went with the Batman Arkham Asylum look. Yeah. Toe to toe. With the big huge ears? Yeah, with like the bit bigger ears. I just don't like the, the, the weird shaped um, Night Owl look. It, it, yeah. it's, it's pretty lame. But I don't think we're going to see much of this costume. No. no. Yeah, you know, so. Yeah, I heard it might make an appearance at the end. Like, it's kind of used for Batman taking on bigger threats. Yeah. That his, you know, his black, or his gray and uh, black costume can't really handle. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I really like the um, costume when he fights Superman and Batman versus Superman. I thought that was cool with, like, the armor and stuff. Right. Very Frank Miller, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I like that, too. Um, Batman has a lot of costumes in the DCU already. He does. That's why it's kind of wishing, you know, with all the costumes we've seen in the comic books, they just kind of, you know, were inspired by one of those uh, suits to adapt. I mm-hmm. wish we saw something like, I don't know, something out of some kind of comic book arc as opposed to just making this original one because I'm just not on board with it. Yeah. You know? It's interesting to say about the eyes and comparing them a bit to what we saw in The Dark Knight because I yeah. think that's the weakest part of that movie. Oh, you didn't like that, that one? whole sequence with yeah. the eyes. Oh, okay. I did not like that. Yeah. I thought yeah. it was bit too we're you know we're in a comic book movie yes but they were trying so hard to make it grounded and i felt that took me right out of the movie i'm like this doesn't make a whole lot of sense i would have preferred more of a night vision thing instead of a sonar vision thing. okay yeah Yeah. because he had what's his name alfred in his ear the whole time Uh, fox lucius Lucius. Lucius. yeah Yeah. and i did that took me right out of the movie i did not enjoy that's the only part of that i get that i I I kind of like the sequence Maybe the eyes were a little weird, yeah. you know, but um, yeah, for the goggles, I just, I don't like them at all in this movie. Yeah. I got yeah. the impression that when I first looked at it, I was like, oh, he must be working on the Batmobile. Because yeah. I thought yeah. it was like, he was like welding something. And because yeah. the way he had his arm, he's holding up against the some sort of metal piece or whatever. Right. I was like, yeah. oh, maybe he's like cutting into the Batmobile or something. And those are just like arc glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh. So he can weld. I don't know. It looked kind of weird. Yeah. But it, it's one of these things that Zack Snyder does have a tendency to do sometimes. I'm sorry, Zack Snyder, for ragging on you. <laughs> is he releases things that are so out of context yeah. that people explode over it. Yeah. And so he's he's had this experience with Batman vs. Superman, with Man of Steel and Justice League and that, of releasing stuff too early mm-hmm. and out of context. And he think he'd learned by now that people are going to be like, what the hell is with the goggles? Like, this <laughs> is weird. Like In the movie, it probably makes sense yeah. why he's wearing goggles. Yeah. But right now, maybe he's temporarily blind. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But, when you just release an image like that on Batman Day, something that's 
kind of a bit off of what we're used to seeing yeah. as far as your cinematic Batmans. Right. It's kind of like, why would you do that? It's just a little weird. Like, mm-hmm. I agree. I like the suit. It looks cool. Mm-hmm. You're always going to get different Batman suits the same way you get different Iron Man suits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit about being toyetic. Yes. And it's a little bit about evolving the character and doing something cool, like getting a different interpretation of the suit on the screen. Yeah. yeah. And I can appreciate that. But Zack Snyder, stop just releasing things out of context. <laughs> if you're going to do that, release a bit of a trailer or something why yeah. he's got the goggles on. Because yeah. this has been all the talk. It hasn't been the fact that he was cool enough to release an image or that the suit looks pretty cool. Yeah. Don't understand what makes that a tactical suit over a normal Batman suit, yes. which is a tactical suit as well. <laughs> I think it's just the armor, and I think there's a lot to it. I know when they had the, um, the set oh, visit. Oh, the screen set visit. Yeah, yeah, they had the screen set visit, and I know a lot of the journalists have talked about this tactical suit and saying that it would come into play at the end of the film when he's taking on bigger threats that aren't just human. So, like, it's not something that was, like, kind of out of the blue. It's something that we've been kind of expecting to get released for yeah, a while. Because we did hear talks about another variation of the yeah. costume, right? Yeah. That's not surprising. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and another photo that Zack Snyder released was an image of Jim Gordon. Yes. J. Jonah Jameson. That's right. In front of the bat signal. How cool This looked like something straight off a comic book page. I right. loved this photo. So cool. And you can see his mustache. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that grizzly one, right? That thick one. Yeah. What did you guys think of this photo? Love it. I yeah. can't wait to see how he interacts with Batman. I think this might be the best uh, Commissioner Gordon we get. I mean, J.K. Simmons is a tr- terrific actor. I loved him in Whiplash. He could be so intimidating. He could be funny. Yeah. He's been in he's been in a lot of good movies, so I'm really looking forward to this, and I think he's going to do great. And the picture looked awesome. It's really cool, and I like the the color tone to it. Looked really cool too. It's a very uh, Zack Snyder reveal. Yeah, I like it. it. Kind of reminds me a little bit of when they released uh, the Batman for the BVS the first time. Yeah, black that's and right. white kind of uh, look going on. It, uh, yeah, it looks um, right off the comic books. Yeah, it's cool. Film noir. Sort yeah, of. yeah. we get the bat signal right there yeah. too, right? So cool. It's a cool look. At, but yeah, I expect nothing but great things from J.K. Simmons from Oz to Spider-Man to Whiplash. This guy's a, a, a world-class actor. So I was on the interwebs today and uh, they said they're announcing a Best of Snyder Blu-ray gift set. So I gotta ask you guys, because I own all these movies already, on a, I'll tell you the movies, and you tell me on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being you're going to pre-order this as soon as we end the podcast, 1 being you're not touching this with a 10-foot pole, how likely you are to buy this, okay? So there's five films in the Zack Snyder gift set. There's 300, Sucker Punch, Watchmen, Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman. Troy, we'll start with you, 1 to 10. Ooh, am I going to get that? Uh, no, no, I'm not going to get that. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate the honesty here. We don't want you holding back here. Simply because because Sucker Punch wasn't very good. Yeah. Uh, I already have BVS. Okay. And I have Man of Steel. And I do have Watchmen. And those are the three, my three favorite Zack Snyder. Yeah. I think I have 300 somewhere on DVD. So, yeah, I, I'm going to stay away from this one. Yeah. yeah. That's that's only my reasoning. If I didn't have it, I would buy it. But I yeah. own all of them on Steelbook, I think, anyway. So. Right. Even Sucker Punch? Uh, yeah, I do own Steel, Sucker Punch on Steelbook, so... Uh... Watch it on mute, or... <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but <laughs> okay. uh, I still have to see it. Actually, the only way I don't have a Steelbook is 300. Oh, okay, that'd be a cool one, I bet. Yeah. yeah. Tim, you gonna get this one? No! <laughs> <laughs> I do have a few of those movies already, and that's yeah. part of the reason... The other reason is, yeah, I'm not gonna buy that. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough, fair Sanjay, enough. Sanjay, you already own all of these movies I, twice I over, so... Um, I own Watchmen three times, three different versions, <laughs> so... Well, there's different versions because the 4K one includes, it weaves in the uh, Tale of the Black Friday. You got the 4K? Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Impressive. And so it's like three and a half, four hours long, but 
It's pretty sweet. In celebration of Batman Day, what we're going to do here is we're going to break down some of Batman's most significant stories in comics, film, and TV, as well as talk about how the characters evolved a bit from his early iterations through to present day interpretation of Batman in Rebirth and in the DC Cinematic Universe, as well as some of our favorite stories. One of the questions I wanted to pose here right of the gates is, why do you guys think Batman is such an enduring character? He's been around since May of 1939, so over 75 years of comic books with a single character. And this character itself has evolved through the time with comic books, but the essence of the character has more or less remained the same since his inception. Why, at least from you personally, why do you think this character has carried through for such a long time? I just simply think it's because he's had the best stories. If you look at other characters who have kind of come and gone, like the Shadow or um, Spirit, you know, they may have had like three or four good stories. But Batman, you know, he's had many, many well-done stories, not only in comic books, but in films, uh, TV series. He's just so adaptable. I mean, everyone can relate to tragedy in their lives. Um, Batman, you know... He just he just opens himself up to the detective um, narrative. He can fit in anything, really. And I think that's partly why he's been so popular. It's just he's so malleable as a character where he can fit in almost any kind of story. You can have him going off and fighting aliens in the Justice League. And then the next week, you can have him on like a more detective story trying to tackle Two-Face or the Riddler. And then you look at all the writers who have worked on Batman. I just think, you know, if you were to rank the 100 greatest comic book stories of all time the majority of that list more than any other character would be batman stories and i just simply think that's the reason why he's just had the best writers and the best stories that no one else has in any other comic book so that's what i think um troy what are your thoughts yeah no i agree with you uh quite a bit actually i think he's just an incredible character he's um he's uh everybody wants to be that kind of guy right everybody wants to be bruce wayne right yeah. and everybody kind of wants to have the gadgets the toys the cars He's at the uh, top of the man's uh, physical peak, yeah. right? So he has all the training in the world. He's the, he's a master detective, and um, he appeals to boys and men and women and 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 girls, right? Like everybody yeah. just loves this character. He has the Batcave, right? Everybody yeah. wants the Batcave, the Batmobile, the yeah. Batmobile, right? And you're right. He's had some of the great, greatest stories, and he's he's evolved so much, but at the same time, still st- stayed true to the core character that he's always been. Yeah, I love this character, and I can't wait to see the other uh, 77 years <laughs> to go. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's really that. I think you guys hit the nail on the head there. It comes down to his relatability. Mm-hmm. He's born out of tragedy. He's a conflicted, at times, a flawed character yes. at times, mm-hmm. right? And so that's relatable to the average person. And I think what you said, Troy, there is he's at his peak physical condition. When you mm-hmm. watch the Batman movies, yes. or you see Batman just cut to pieces, you're like... Yeah. I could almost be that. Yeah. <laughs> and it comes down to that again. It's like when you think about the character, and particularly from the Nolan verse and some of the comic book iterations, it's if I had Bruce Wayne's money, yeah. I could do that. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. you compare and contrast him to another character that has a lot of similar traits. Mm-hmm. So, billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, superhero. Yeah. Those four descriptive terms can be used for two characters mm-hmm. Tony Stark and Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. And Green Arrow. Yeah. Yes. But which character do you feel you can relate the most to? Tony Stark's an awesome character. Oh, yeah. But I'd still never feel like you, he's the most relatable. He's not selfless like Batman. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's a very different character with similar traits. Yes. He, he has be, the money, right? It's mm-hmm. He could be the bad guy. Like, in look at Civil War. He's the bad guy, for lack of a better term. 
Whereas in Batman vs Superman, you kind of more on the side of Batman. Yeah. Right? yeah. So it's really about his relatability. I think. I think that's what he's doing, and the fact that he's had some of the most pivotal and best comic book stories yes. of all time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and he's kind of like the first like superhero we've had that's like dark and like gritty and kind of kind of scary, right? Mm-hmm. I and mean, we've had like Zorro way back then, and you had like yeah. Dracula, and you had the spirit of the shadow. Yeah. But Batman took it to another level. Right. Yeah, he did. In his early iterations, going back to the 39s, to the detective comics, he's not really remorseful. Yeah. He's out no. there killing characters. Killing guys, breaking yeah. necks. Yeah. 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 And that's something that evolves quite rapidly out of the character. Mm-hmm. And he becomes, he has his moral code yes. now, right? He stands for something. And he's, you know, he will not kill. Yeah. He will not use guns. He does from I, time to time. I think every movie he has killed at least one person. I yeah, but he always one. makes an attempt to not kill people, yeah. right? He has that in him. Yeah. Well, except in Batman vs. Superman. He's just like, nah, nuts to this. And, yeah. and, and for the most part, he wins, right? Yeah. Most of the time he wins. He's, he's taken out Darkseid twice Yeah. in the comic books, right? He's a, he's a mortal man amongst gods. Yeah. But you still want to be him at the end of the day rather than the other heroes. Yeah. He grounds the Justice League. When you're talking about the original seven members of the Justice League, he's the most relatable one. I mean, he's human. Everyone else has, like, super fantastical powers. Mm-hmm. He's just a guy with a lot of money and a lot of sick gadgets. For lack of a better term, he's just a one step above James Bond. But but when you look at him in the different iterations of Justice League, you know, he's sitting there rubbing shoulders with super-powered, like, mega superheroes. You know, he's hanging out in space. He's time-traveling, all this. To me, he always doesn't fit that. (laughs) Like, it's weird to me when you say, oh, he took down Darkseid, or seeing him fighting Doomsday in Batman vs. Superman... I didn't really see his impact on that fight. He's kind of there <laughs> shooting once in a while. He yeah. shot the grenade or whatever. Yeah. But I like my Batman like I like Cap. I like Cap fighting Nazis. I like Cap fighting Hydra-grounded agents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't like him off in Dimension Z or out in yeah. space or whatever. I like my Cap grounded. That's the same way I like... From the very few stories I've read of mm-hmm. Batman is I like Batman fighting his rogues gallery, yes. which isn't fantastical. <sighs> Yes. And I love that about Batman. It's his Rose Gallery. You get yes. the Joker, Riddler, all these guys. Mm-hmm. It's all about intellect, right? It's mm-hmm. all about psychology. It's not always about, with the exception of Bane and a few others, yeah. Yeah. it's not always about the physical end of it, right? Exactly. It's about being a detective. And that's something, again, that Batman's contrasts a bit to a lot of superheroes is his intellect. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. just all brawn, right? Yeah. I'm not saying guys like Superman and that are dumb yeah. or <laughs> unintelligent characters, but their main power is their strength. Where mm-hmm. Batman's is his intellect and yeah. his gadgetry and all that. But yeah, yeah, and he's always prepared, right? Like he took down the whole Justice League because he's prepared and he thought of each one of their weaknesses. Yes, I mean that's one of my favorite stories, Tower of Babel, where you know he's like, okay, to take down Superman, you need this. To take down Aquaman, you need this. And mm-hmm. it's it's just a great run. And you know, again, it kind of fits in like his Justice League. I know Tim, you say you like you like a more kind of grounded. To me, I do like him grounded, and those are where you get some of his best stories. But it is cool to see him kind of break out. Because when he's fighting the Riddler, for example, you don't get to see him punch anyone. That story is all about the detective, the behind the scenes, which is cool in its own right. But then you go to a story like Grant Morrison's New World Order, where he's taking on these like these uh, white Martian aliens. And you get to see him actually like punch and like kind of crazy and use his physical stuff. So I think that's kind of why, to me anyways, I do like him when he goes more out of the world, out of this world. So you can actually see him use his physical uh, threats and his gadgets Mm -hmm. too, 
Whereas it's not just the detective side of his brain. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I love him in both aspects. And it's cool, you know, even going back to um, the last issue of Justice League before it became Rebirth. So, oh, 52, yeah. issue 52. A great issue where he basically brings Robin. It's kind of like bring your son to work day. <laughs> and he brings him to meet the Justice League. And he's taking yeah. on the Justice League. And there's a big threat going on. And Robin's kind of thinking the whole time, why am I here? Yeah. But just, uh, you know, Batman's kind of like, you know, just do your thing. You know, we've gone over this. And he starts rolling with... Um, cyborg and green lantern and doing all these cool things and at the end of the issue robin's basically like you know i, I don't think I, I have what it takes to join this team and batman's kind of like no you're not only going to join this team but one day you're going to lead this team wow much like batman does himself and that yeah. right there just solidifies why this guy's the man you know worst parent in the world but uh <laughs> best superhero <laughs> he's only had about two robins dying <laughs> why do they keep giving these uh orphans to billionaire bruce wayne it's like the last two have died but uh ah, third time's a charm brucey boy <laughs> also who adopts a 21 year old man <laughs> batman and robin chris yeah. o'donnell's chris like O'Donnell. 30 years old <laughs> he's like i really don't need this like you know i had my own place back in uh central city he's like no no just come with me it's all right it's like i own a circus no 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> or sorry that's a Bat- batman forever when he batman forever. That. Yeah. yeah that's the only robin origin we have to date in the films yeah i guess we're gonna get one soon i would imagine i hope so i, I mean hope so to me robin is always just as popular as batman to me i mean growing up you'd have batman and you have robin yeah robin is probably the most popular sidekick we were talking Definitely. earlier war machine and falcon yeah but robin is dwarfs those it's, in popularity it's, it's robin for sure robin nightwing dick grace is my favorite DC yeah. character of all time that's that's my that's my guy right there and that's the yeah. portion of batman series i've never actually read is the mm-hmm. whole nightwing and robin evolving into something beyond what we saw in the 66 series because yeah. that's the robin i always have right. in my head right? holy yeah. rusted metal batman <laughs> exactly <laughs> and i don't have that that concept of a gritty dark grounded nightwing yeah. kicking ass sort of Robin, yeah right? he's great well, i mean the cool thing with him is i know this is batman centric but he's better than batman and, yeah. and that's the issue that's going on right now in rebirth is the fact that he can still put down the nightwing costume and go out there and have a life yeah. away from being a vigilante right whereas batman oh, yeah. bruce can't let that go right? yeah. you know nightwing's been nightwing he's been an agent he's been robin yeah. and he's been batman yeah. he's done it all right yeah, it's true. So. Did you uh, read or did you play the Injustice video game? Oh, yeah. So, do you see this? Remember the scene where uh, he's fighting Damien Wayne, his son? Yeah. And Damien's kind of on Superman's team, so he's kind of gone evil. Oh, yeah. And then he beats him. And he's like, You were never my son. Dick Grayson was more oh, of a son that. to me than you ever that. will. Yeah, yeah, such a cool line. I, I love, love that. that. Yeah. Spoiler alert, though, I don't like that Dick Grayson bites it. Yeah. In that, in that, movie <laughs> in, in that uh, video game. Video game. Probably yeah. the best video game comic we'll have. Again, it's another Batman. First Superman story. I mean, a lot of Batman stories is him going up against Superman. Why do they lend themselves so well to battle against each other? They have different ideals. Like, at the end of the day, they're both striving to save humanity. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. always in the back of his head, similar to what you see in Batman vs. Superman, Batman's always thinking, what if he goes rogue? What if he goes off the deep end? And the Injustice story, from what I understand, mm-hmm. from what I read briefly, is that he has one little switch, and that's Lois Lane. Yes. Yeah. And so I've always liked this concept that Batman's kept track of the Justice League and has contingency plans yeah. for what happens if Aquaman goes rogue or if mm-hmm. Superman goes rogue. Mm-hmm. He has backup plans for 
this. He's always one step ahead exactly. of even his allies, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he's always sitting there being like, what if? Yeah. yeah. And he's got the contingencies for that. And I love that about Batman. So good. So when we step into the comic books a bit, so we had the evolution of the character out of the 40s into the 50s. We had a sci-fi element there. And his character evolved with the times. We had the sci-fi, the detective comics, the horror comics and all that, where they incorporated those aspects into the Batman stories, as opposed to what you saw at other comic book companies like Timely and that, that it simply put the superheroes to the back burner and let the horror stories, the sci-fi stories, take front and center as far as their flagship comic books. But then when we get back to the 60s, where the superhero era actually takes off, when we get Justice League debuting yes. with Batman, you're getting Fantastic Four, you're getting Avengers, all these superheroes are coming now to the forefront and take prominence from basically then on into present day. Yeah. But this is where we see kind of an evolution of the character back into more of a detective mm-hmm. and then stepping into Batman 66, mm-hmm. yes, which is a completely different iteration of the character, <laughs> this camp style, if you yeah. will. And for me personally, this is my first introduction as a child mm-hmm. to Batman. Oh, so okay. I remember sitting in my cottage as a kid waiting for that that opening sequence where you have all the different villains flying by the screen. Oh, yeah. The animation. Yeah. I must have been five. Yeah, so it's pre-92, pre the animated series. Yeah. And this is how I thought Batman and Robin were. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think for a lot of people, Batman 89 was such a shock. Because our parents' generation grew up with the campy Batman, which put out 120 episodes wow. in wow. two years. Wow. <laughs> crazy, right? Isn't that wow. crazy? Yeah. yeah. You know, as much as we rag on the 66 series, it really did save Batman because sales of that comic were plummeting yeah. until 66 came out. And a little interesting tidbit about that series. Um, the only reason why that series got made was due to our friend uh, Hugh Hefner over at Playboy. So he used to have parties, and he's a big movie connoisseur. I don't know if you know that about him, but uh, there used to be a TV or a movie serialization of Batman in the 40s, and it's awful. It's like some of the worst stuff you've ever seen. If you look at the costumes, it's horrible. And so they kind of like played them as kind of jokes, right? Mm-hmm. And then I guess it was either Adam West or someone who was in there from Fox, and they saw it, and they just saw how like popular it was, and it kind of just took off from there. And then the idea kind of morphed into 66 Batman. We may not have even had Batman if it wasn't for that 66 series. He may have just fallen to the wayside, kind of like, oh, I don't know, Fantastic Four is right now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's out of the 66 Batman, but some of the comics I've read recently, there's always a dinosaur in the Batcave. Yeah. What is the deal with that? I have no idea. I've never known that. The big dinosaur, there's the big penny. Yeah, I think the penny is the Joker. And I think the dinosaur maybe from the Joker's lair as well. I mean, I think I think the the penny's two face. Oh, okay. the coin. Yeah. And then I think the the the, the cards obviously Joker. But I don't know what the dinosaur. Because I've always taken it like, okay, this is like the collector's vault. This yeah. is just stuff that is from Batman's past, and yeah. it's in there to get the heavy Batman readers, the right. people that's been reading for decades and be like yeah i understand the batman because when you read i think it was in the first issue of rebirth that i read or maybe new 52 don't remember but i'm looking at him like this is all grounded pretty gritty you know 
And then there's a dinosaur in the background. In the I'm like, what's... There's something about that. Yeah, yeah. Do, you th- do you think Snyder should put that into the uh, new Batman film? Or Affleck should put it in the new Batman solo adventure? The dinosaur in the background? I, I think they should if they introduce like Robin's origin. And he's like, yeah. is terrified. And he sees this dinosaur. Like, what the hell? Where am I? Like, when he discovers the Batcave. And yeah. that's the first thing he sees. And is like... That'd be cool. Jurassic Park? Like, yeah. I don't know. Or even just a skeleton. Something like... Yeah. Mm. It's Bruce Wayne just being like, yeah, hey, I have all Look what money. I can yeah. buy. Yeah. Knowing Batman, it's probably like a living dinosaur or something too. <laughs> he went back in time and brought it back. I could see it. And just like he and he's so strong, right? He's Batman. He just told the dinosaur to stay, kinda of like a dog. And so the dinosaur's just sitting. <laughs> One thing I want to I don't know if you guys remember this or not. So this is the only thing I remember from the Batman sixty six series, other than the pals and whams oh, and whams yeah. and the look of the characters. Oh, yeah. One particular scene, and I have no idea why this sticks out in my head, but it's a Joker scene and he's playing baseball in Arkham or wherever they are. <laughs> he stands on home plate and it flings him out of the stadium and that how he's I don't know if that's an actual scene if anyone out there has, <laughs> understands the scene or if it actually oh, exists man. or if I dreamt this up, you know, 25 years ago. But this is one thing I remember about that series. And the Joker's up there, Cesar Romero with his painted mustache. Yeah. yeah. Right? He didn't even bother to shave the yeah. mustache. Why would you? That yeah. is so bad. Yeah. 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 Did I gotta you... say, that's probably the last time we ever saw Gotham look so good. Yeah. Right? It's so bright and sunny. Yeah. yeah. All the jobs have been lost. It's kind of like Michigan. Last time that place looked good was in the 60s. <laughs> Sorry, Michigan. <laughs> so did you guys ever watch the uh, 66 movie that got released into theaters? It's no. on Netflix, I think. Is, Is it? it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so I watched it the other day. It's it's amazing. It's something out there. Um, He has the shark repellent. Oh, that's that Yeah. <laughs> And then he has, like, a bomb. He's trying to get rid of it. He's oh, just running yeah. back and forth in the pier. And he's like, you know, Robin, sometimes you just can't get rid of a bomb. <laughs> just so, so out there. You just can't help but love it. I mean, looking back and then watching it from, like, my point of view, I probably don't appreciate it as much as if I watched it as a kid like you, Tim. So, you know, I, it's fine. Um, not my cup of tea, but I'm glad it's out there because... Kind of shaped Batman into who he is today. And it really did, because spinning out of that series, so that only lasted two seasons, a lot of episodes, but coming out of that, there was a real drive by Neil Adams and Steve Englehart to get away from that campiness and get back to the roots of Batman, the core of the character, nice, as you yeah. put it, Troy, and going more towards this grounded, this grim, gritty characterization. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we saw taken through the 70s and into the 80s, where yes. we really have the Frank Miller era, yes. where a lot of the films take inspiration from in particular. Mm-hmm. So you have stuff like The Dark Knight Returns, yes. so which good. Snyder took heavy influence from. Absolutely. Nolan did as well. Mm-hmm. We have the retired Batman coming out of retirement right. to fight Superman. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Fantastic. That book's great. Oh, I, yeah. The art's a bit hard to look at sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a bit yeah. weird. Yeah. But again, if you can get your hands on that trade, it's really good. And the adaptation that Snyder did as far as the look and the aesthetic oh, of yeah. it, yeah. he did Nailed capture it. that Nailed in it. Batman vs. Yeah. Superman. And I yeah. do like how in Batman vs. Superman they do have kind of the newscasters telling a bunch of the stories. I didn't really thought of that until just now, actually. And then you, you go back and you re- reread the graphic novel. That story is told by newscasters as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice uh, nice tie-in there that I just picked up now. Maybe I'm late to it, but... Uh... <laughs> and, and year one. Year one, yeah. a little bit in Batman yeah. Begins, a little, you know? Yeah, it comes out the next year, 87. Yeah. It's the, the reinvigoration of Batman through all this. This is retelling its origin it's story. Origin story, right? Yeah. And this, again, this is a lot of Batman Begins. And even Dark Knight takes notes from this book. I think it's in year one where we do have the Joker card at the end of the series. Okay. Where, where oh, okay. Him and Gordon are talking about that. Yeah. 
And there's also the, the, the concept of poisoning the, the water supplies all in there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. And it's it, fighting the mob and all that. So a lot yeah. of concepts are taken from year one and driven into the Nolan universe. That's as well. right. Mm-hmm. Very grounded, right? Exactly. Yeah. And taking that, that characterization. Mm-hmm. And moving into more of the Alan Moore era, where we get even darker. Mm. And contextually, we get into a place where, you know, not many comic books really go nowadays it's, no. it's this killing joke right yeah and so there's a lot of implied victimization to batgirl barbara gordon yeah. in this yeah they just released an r-rated cut uh, animated series yeah. of this yeah with mark hamill returning to be the joker yes yeah and so we're seeing batman in particular touching on a lot of issues that a lot of comic books wouldn't even go near and this is a character particularly these stories that marvel probably would never touch no it's no. not Marvel is much more of your PG thirteen PG type writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this stuff is hard R. Some of it. Yes. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And some yeah. of the stuff that's implied in these comic books mm-hmm. is, is you know touchy subjects, right? Yeah, yep. it's very controversial for the time and even today. And that storyline, um, Killing Joke, wasn't even meant to be part of continuity, that's right. but it was just so popular that they ended up putting it in. Um, and Grant Morrison actually just came out either last year or the year before, saying at the end of it, Batman actually kills the Joker in that. So oh, that's right. what you want yeah. to do? Yeah. Okay. No, so you see the scene, he says, like, you can hear the Joker yelling, and then you hear, like, a snap. The next scene is, like, a snap. Oh. And the Joker doesn't yell anymore. And he's like, no one picked that up. And then he's like, that's what Alan Moore was trying to get with that, the killing joke. Oh. So, you know, Batman. The killing joke. Yeah. Killing the joke. Yeah. I just like the idea yeah. that it was kind of left ambiguous. Is your own yeah. interpretation. Yeah. yeah. I kind of like that, too. Yeah. But Did he kill it, him? Yeah, yeah. It's really up to you. But uh, so they do put it into continuity. They obviously don't kill a Joker. That'd That's be right. The but worst. Barbara Gordon yeah. is paralyzed and becomes the Oracle. Yeah. And yeah. she was a very uh, popular character and a very um, good symbol for people with um, disabilities because like, she was just a great superhero. And many people want her to come back as Oracle and were mad when she came back as Batgirl. Yeah, no, the killing joke, that was something else. The adaptation for the movie didn't hit home no. as well. I still haven't seen it. Yeah. Neither have I, but they added scenes that weren't in it originally, and apparently those scenes are what really takes away from the movie. I think to stretch it out, the whole first part is a Barbara Gordon story. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and what happens between Batman and Barbara Gordon in that Ugh. movie. Yeah. <laughs> this does not make any sense. <clears throat> no. Sanjay, you mentioned Batman the Anime Series. Yes. So, 92. This is right in all of our wheelhouses. Yes. This, you know, I said that Batman 66 was my first introduction to Batman. The Anime Series is where I grew the appreciation and the love for Batman. Yes. My first exposure to Batman, definitely the Animated Series. Without that, I probably wouldn't be here today. It's just had that much of an impact on my life growing up. Uh, Not so much the series itself. I mean, the series itself was great. But to me, I was drawn in by the toys and the action figures. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had a lot of that. The lineup, right? Oh, yeah. That was one of the first toys where I had where you can actually change the identity of Batman. You can go Bruce Wayne and Batman. I thought that was so cool back then. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And you could also have all the villains, too, right? Normally, growing up, the toys were just the superheroes. Mm -hmm. But this one, you could could get a clay-faced action figure, which I had. I had Man Bat. I had Riddler. The Batmobile. Two-Face, the Batmobile. Two-Face, to this day, is still one of my favorite action figures. Yeah. The teal. Yeah, the teal was cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was my first, you know, exposure to Batman and the action figures especially and actually the movie action figures. So I have an older brother and he actually had the figures from 89 Batman and Batman Returns. With the belt. The belt had the the rope attached to it. He could take it off and they'd go back on. Yeah. Yeah. And a Joker sidekick who's in the movie for like two minutes, but they needed to make toys. Kind of like the Star Wars effect when the movie takes off. Yeah. So they made a toy of like, I think his name's like Joe the like... 
henchmen or something. <laughs> you know, and they even released a toy for Batman Returns of Robin, even though he wasn't in the movie. Really? But they had a toy line to go with that movie of Robin. Was it? And he's based uh, off the Tim Drake outfit. Marlon Wayans or? No, it wasn't. No. no? It was, he looked just like Tim Drake. That's same, amazing. Same costume, same everything, well, but he wasn't in the movie. The Batman toy series, particularly for that 89 Batman Returns kind of timeline, there was like a snow Batman and a yeah. swamp Batman. Oh, yeah. And like, you know, high altitude Batman and a winged <laughs> Batman. Like, there's all kinds of weird stuff. You know, cruise ship Batman yeah. Right. yeah everything <laughs> unfortunately uh, Schumacher took that to heart and actually put that in his films and yes, not realizing yeah. that Made a live action stay. toy yeah. <laughs> exactly we'll get to that when that comes up yeah but ba- yeah Batman the Animated Series was like the best thing ever right yeah. I think that got everybody on board is play- aired here I believe on RDTV yeah. way yeah. back in the day my brother used to pick me up from school and we used to just watch it on every oh, Wednesday man. or so. I think it won Emmys. Like, it yeah. did. The origin story of Robin is a two-parter episode. It won an Emmy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And like it introduced Harley Quinn. Yes. yes. It retold the story of Mr. Freeze. Oh. Made a more tragic character. Yeah, they made that actually canon since the, the cartoon episode. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and they, it really modernized Batman. So we're coming out of this dark era of the Frank Miller written comic books. It really took inspiration for that. This whole like film noir. Yeah. It's yeah. more of a cinematic take on the character yeah. inside this. You know, it's it's made for children, but there's a lot of adult toned narrative in oh, this yeah. movie, in this animated series, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the appreciation for this grew a lot. So it ran for like 85 episodes. That's right. Yeah. So, Led by Kevin Conroy. The yes. best yes. voice actor Mark ever to Hamill do that. Yes. Yeah. Mark Hamill the Joker, right? Yeah, I always cool. think of Mark Hamill as the Joker because that was my first exposure to him. I know it's going to drive you guys crazy, but when I started watching Star Wars, I was like, oh yeah, that's the Joker. Yeah, I don't blame you on that. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty fair. That's it's pretty one of fair. his other definitive roles is the Joker, probably, right? And that's why he yeah. continually goes back and revisits. Like, oh, he's yeah. the Joker in The Killing Joke, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And Arkham so, Asylum games. Yeah. yeah, I really like the um, the look of Gotham. It's almost like a character in that animated series Definitely. as well. I mean, it doesn't take place in any set time. You have cars, you kind of have like cell phones, kind of, and then you have zeppelins flying by. Like it makes no sense. Like it's not any timeline in the history of man, mm-hmm. but it just works because you know I can watch that now and not make it f- seem dated. Exactly. Yeah, aged well. It has aged very well. Yeah. Have you guys gone back and watched it recently? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I, I, especially once it goes into the new adventures of Batman and Robin. Oh, you like that? With the, uh, uh, Tim Drake. Yeah, and then Robin's gone on to be Nightwing, and Batgirl has more of a shine in this. Yeah, and uh, Harvey Dent. A little bit new animation styles too. Uh, yeah. Joker looks a little different, a little more wicked. You could yeah, say. yeah. Right? No, absolutely. Yeah. I didn't get any of the uh, action figures of the new adventures, but I was more of the old ones. But I did get the DVDs of the entire ones and. You know, that's another series that we'll have to revisit and potentially do commentary on yeah. because it's just so well done. Well, you know, delayed offside, him and I, we go back and forth with these figures. We have <laughs> um, the new DC collectible animated series. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And, they and re-released them, right? That's right. That's right. I got to go back and find them because they're all at my mom's house in the basement mm-hmm. and I have pretty much the whole line up there. Oh. So that's going to be one day, one week, and I'm just going to go there, plunk myself, dig away. I'll come back and amaze you guys with like... Riddler, Two Face, nice. Batman, Robin, Catwoman, oh. yeah, Joker. Even I don't even know actually if I had a Joker or Harley Quinn. Those are probably two ones that I probably should have got. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Probably worth a fortune. Yeah, <laughs> I probably got like the Jim Gordon one instead, or the Harvey Bullock one. Coming out of this animation series, and we have the follow-on animated series that it's spun out of. We move into basically the film era of Batman, where we do get. The initial interpretation of Batman, what some call the definitive interpretation of Batman and the Joker on screen, at least up until we had the Dark Knight. Mm -hmm. Starting off with Burton 
or the Burton-Schumacher verse, whatever you want to call it, yeah. <laughs> but Burton's original interpretation in 1989. And this is going a lot darker. And like I said, shocked a lot of people as far as coming out of what they saw in Batman 66 to this. And even going back to this now and comparing it to what we have in the current universe or even the Nolan universe, this, again, seems somewhat campy yeah. in comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you take Jack Nicholson's Joker in here, <laughs> which people said no one's ever going to touch this. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've got... We've got two different interpretations out of that that people have found strengths and weaknesses with but Jack Nicholson's Joker like it, it was a really menacing character yeah, yeah. yeah. he called Jack yeah yeah yeah, yeah. do you have ever danced with the devil in the oh, pale yeah. moonlight yeah. oh yeah you want to get nuts let's yeah. get nuts yeah. I love that that's, yeah, love that's that. Michael Keaton right? I yeah. love it that's my favorite line yeah. Yeah. yeah what do you guys think of them changing and having Joker kill Batman's parents I made sense for back then, and it's something yeah. we've seen a trend happen way later. You know, Green Goblin and Sam, Sam Raimi's Spider Man. Yeah, I've seen it over and over again. Mostly superhero movies, right? Yeah, but I uh, I liked it. It worked yeah. at yeah. the time. Yeah. And I think at the time, and I even right now, when you think about it, it it really intimately connects those two characters because they seem almost like this yin and yang, right? Yeah. You yeah. know, one can't exist without the other. And having that, the Joker essentially created Batman by killing his parents. It makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. there, narratively yeah. at least, right? Yes. Yeah, and then Batman created Joker by throwing him in the chemicals so you know it's a full circle yeah i think the movie still holds up i mean i watched it recently in preparation for batman v superman i rewatched all the movies um just all the batman movies i didn't get around to the superman movies and to me this one still holds up it's uh it's a great film you could tell it's a little bit smaller budget a little bit um not as much effects and stuff compared to batman returns but to me it's a great story um it'd be a great introduction if you're someone's trying to get into batman start there um, and you can see the evolution of Batman from there. And it's interesting, too, because I think talking about the comic books, and you're talking about the, the late 50s, early 60s interpretation of the comic books, you know, you're going from the superhero into campy era and then back into this darker, more grounded universe. I think you see this reflected in this movie evolution as well. You start off with something darker. You know, he's killing people. He's throwing bombs at people or whatever. And then you get into campy with the <laughs> yeah. Schumacher. And then you reset and you go to the darker, grittier Nolan universe. Yeah. I find that really interesting That's when funny. you contrast yeah. that yeah. to what we saw in the evolution of the, the comics, right? Yeah. It's and true. you see the same thing with this movie universe. And it's, I find it just really weird how it parallels that. Okay. And we're at two totally different eras. Like They had that experimentation phase with Batman as more campy. Mm-hmm. And they do slowly evolve or devolve, if you will, yeah. <laughs> back into this campiness with the Schumacher universe. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's interesting. So, and then the follow up to Batman, which was a huge success, both mm-hmm. for Warner Brothers financially, critically, you know, it won the Academy Award for Best Art Direction. Yeah. So, this is a really well received movie. And, you know, we're talking 89 here. So, this is right. well before we have an established comic book movie big box office draw because then we went through a period where people were like yeah comic book movies yeah get out of here well especially because after superman you had that in 78 i believe and then superman 2 was well received i think in 80 yep so you had about nine years of nothing but crap comic book movies <laughs> yeah with superman 3 superman 4 captain america death too soon all those um howard the ducks and stuff like that right. so the 80s were not kind to superhero movies so that to see it end on a high note in 89 is great and it brought back the superhero movie because if we don't have batman 89 i don't think we have half the movies we have right now 
it helped people understand that comic book movies could be told as good movies. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a good narrative and can make money was the other big thing yeah. too. Yeah. And you can have top-notch actors yes. starting these roles, right? Exactly. Yeah. Landing yeah. Jack Nicholson and asking right. him to put on makeup mm-hmm. yeah. for over half of his role, right? <laughs> yeah. And at that time, Jack Nicholson's a huge star. Huge. It doesn't seem huge. like a guy that would really like to sit in a chair and get right. makeup on his face for whatever, three, four hours, right? Yeah. yeah. But he got paid a lot and he was actually top-billing over Keaton. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was be. a comedian. I think they said yeah. he did more like Mr. Beetlejuice. Mom. He did more comedic yeah. uh, roles than this. So people were kind of like, "Wait a second, this guy's he's shorter. He's a comedian. Yeah. What's he doing playing?" Yeah, movies? there was huge uproar when Definitely. he was announced as the actor. People were freaking out, like writing petitions to yeah. WB and DC, and that being like, "What is going on? Yeah. You're going to ruin it." Mm-hmm. Sounds familiar. I was going to say it's funny. Batman. He seems to get the most uh, controversy for the casting. I don't remember too much of a backlash when Christian Bale was cast. Do you guys? No. Not at all. He kind of no, fits no. the bill. Yeah, I think he yeah. fits the bill. And Batman was kind of like in a weird place at that time yeah. where we've had we're coming off of the Schumacher verse. <laughs> yeah. So people are like do whatever you want with him. Just don't make it as bad as the toy movie. Yeah, like, exactly. So. You could never make it as bad as that. Yeah. <laughs> so the eighty nine Batman did inspire three sequels. We had Batman Returns in ninety two. Yes. Followed up by Batman Forever and then Batman and Robin. Yes. Batman Returns stuck with the Burton verse. Mm-hmm. I liked how they started to introduce two villains yeah. per movie and handle yeah. them well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And again, with Batman's rogues gallery, you have to almost do this. It gets a bit yeah. too much towards the end here. Mm-hmm. But I really like the interpretation of Penguin. Yes. It is a bit campy when you go back and read <laughs> yeah. it. But how I see it in my head, mm-hmm. both great interpretations. Oh, yeah. Selena Kyle, Catwoman, oh, yeah. fantastic as well. Incredible, mm-hmm. yeah. And then the Riddler and Two-Face in Batman Forever. <laughs> so, 95. Yeah. I was 10 years old, 95. Okay. This was in my freaking wheelhouse right oh, yeah. Jim Carrey so was huge good. oh yeah it was crazy it was colorful it, oh yeah it was Colors. toyetic oh to right the core. that Batmobile yeah. had like this electro lights going on yeah inside of it was crazy Chris O'Donnell's action figure you dip his head in the water and his yes. mask appears absolutely right? yeah. I love that so concept sick. and he had a chest piece that came on and off Love that yeah. figure. First interpretation of Robin. Yeah. It's kind of like a 66 uh, episode because the colors in that were oh. the best part. Yeah. It went neon. And right. It's just something almost fantastical. It was like the contrast between it's supposed to be the same universe. Yeah. Right? yeah. And we do have a switching of from Keaton to Val Kilmer as far yeah. as Batman. Yeah. And we get... Riddler. Riddler and yes. Two-Face played by um, Tommy, Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee. Lee Oscar-winning actor. Which was weird because I felt like we got like two weird hokey Riddlers. Like that wasn't that wasn't Two-Face at all. Not no, at no. all. Not at all. Well, there is a longer cut where it kind of explains Two-Face's um, origins a bit and has him in Arkham trying to break out and kill Batman. Fortunately, that cut has never been seen. Mm. So we want to start, I mean, I want to start a petition and get that released. They released the Batman vs. Superman Ultimate cut. Let's get this cut out. I'd love to see a three-hour yeah. version of Batman Forever. That'd be pretty cool. But you know what? To be honest with this movie, it wasn't... Looking back at it now, it's kind of funny. Val Kilmer wasn't actually that bad of a Bruce Wayne. No. no. Yeah, he wasn't that bad. He was no. He was way better than George Clooney. Yeah. After yeah. Doing that. And I didn't mind Jim Carrey's Riddler for what it was. Yeah. For being Jim Carrey. It was Jim Carrey yeah. as Riddler. Yeah. Right? Oh, like, yeah. Definitely. There's, there's nothing about that. That was Ace Ventura. That was all that time. Oh, like, yes. Rubber face, the mask, yes. right? That's who he played. That's yeah. why they got him as the Riddler, to That's... be this crazy-ass dude, right? That's right. Going back and saying, like, if we were ever go back and review this, I would probably just tear the shit out of it. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, the way I think about it, the way I remember it as a kid, I really enjoyed this. Yes. It's one oh, of those yeah. things that... 
as sometimes it's better to not go back and revisit things you saw as a child true. because yeah. in your mind you have them built up so much that going back you're only gonna face disappointment <laughs> right yeah that's right and the yeah. soundtrack to this movie i don't oh, know if you guys remember but youtube yeah and seal they had two major hits on the soundtrack yeah awesome. kiss from a rose kiss from a rose yeah. and uh, youtube had a really cool video too to go oh, along nice. with it. so check it out that's yeah. awesome and this movie made bank at the box office i mean batman returns kind of faltered because it was just too dark i think for general audiences yeah but this one there, you know, they lightened it up, and it was huge. The marketing tie-ins were insane. I remember getting the uh, glasses from McDonald's. I still have those. Yeah, I have one in a bin Do over there. there really? Go. I got the full set. I believe. Which still one did place. you get? Oh, okay, because I, I had the I the, Riddler uh, one. the Riddler one, yeah. and I had the Two Face, where the coin was the handle. Yeah, and they're shorter. Those ones are yeah. shorter. That yeah. Batman. I have them all, but I have Batman and Robins, which are both the same size, nice. they're taller. And yeah. Then, and then I had the Riddler, and I had Two Face. So cool. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this movie was a huge hit. If you look back at the uh, box office grosses, I think it's still a top 10 um, DC Comics grossing superhero movie. I mean, and it's been over 20 years, and they've released tons of movies, and this one still is... Sure. Probably really, just yeah. the merchandise alone. Yeah. yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, the merchandise is probably half the battle for these box office giants. I mean, back in the 90s, the toys were insane. Yeah. 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 I think they came around just around Christmas time, too, or just before Christmas. So they got that toy market. Smart. I'm pretty sure they did. Yeah. They must yeah. have made. They must have made over hundred, two hundred million dollars in terms of toys and home video sales. Must have been through the roof. Yeah, yeah. This is coming off the back of the franchising aspect of Star Wars, even like to yeah. bring it back around to Star Wars. Like they showed how you can make money with action figures, exactly. yeah. and that was with merchandising, and that was exactly what they did here. Yeah, but the follow up, it's almost killed the franchise. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna get on my high horse here. Batman and Robin, while it's a bad film. It is fun as hell. You, oh, it's hilarious. You cannot tell me you won't crack a smile, you won't laugh, you can't take yourself too seriously when you're seeing this film. Unfortunately, we were expecting something a little bit more serious when this one came out. It's bad. I remember there's a scene specifically where Batman literally does the Flintstone boom, where he slides down at <laughs> yeah, Dinosaur's tail. That's amazing. And then jumps into Mr. That's, Freeze. That's facepalm. Like, it's so awesome, though. He had the Bat credit card. Oh. Yeah, and it expires what? forever. Yeah. <laughs> the Bat nipples. Uh, yeah. The problem, I think, too, with this movie is that when you look back at Batman, a lot of his movies focus and are almost centered around the villains. Yeah. Right? This one had the weakest villains. Oh, Mr. for sure. Bane and Poison Ivy. Nice to see you, Batman. Oh, that was just... like I think that's one of the main reasons, other than all yeah. of the other reasons. But it didn't have strong villains to hinge off of. Missed opportunity, though, because if yeah. those villains were played well, oh, yeah. it could have been the best Batman film. They have Mr. Freeze's tragic uh, origin story... Right? Poison Ivy with her control of the plants and like her environmentalism, and if Bane was kind of like what we saw in The Dark Knight Rises, this could have been the Batman movie of the generation if it was done properly. Yeah, it could have. They should have cut out Bane though. Yeah, that's too much. Should draw the line there. There's too many like fantastical villains, right? Yes. Yeah. So you have Mister Freeze, you know, a guy that controls ice, a girl that controls plants, and then this wrestler dude. We look back at the other villains in that series, they're somewhat grounded. Yeah, they're yeah. crazy, yeah. but you don't have that same, like, oh my god, this guy controls ice. This guy yeah. controls whatever, rainforest. Yeah. This guy just throws rid riddles yeah. out there. Yeah. And, it, and right. then the follow-up to this was supposed to be this Batman Unchained or Batman Triumphant. Triumph. Triumph, yeah. yeah. And this was supposed to be Scarecrow, Nick Cage. Yeah. Who's who's it was George Clooney coming I back? I think Clooney yeah, was coming back. Supposed to be that whole wow. crew coming back, and wow. Harley Batgirl. Quinn was supposed to be introduced yeah. in this. Whoa. Harley Quinn was supposed to be actually Joker's daughter, and so the storyline was going to be Batman gets hit by this fear toxin, and he thinks that the Joker is back, 
And then so it's the Joker, I think Scarecrow and uh, Harley Quinn are in his nightmares. And then he has to like try to try and battle them out to get out. So it would have been an interesting film. I would love to see that. I would love to see them do like a comic book of that and just show us what it would have been like. Give us the storyboards and some of like the scenes. Concept art. Yeah, kind of like they did with uh, Superman Lives with uh, John Schnepp over at uh, Collider Videos. Yeah, Superman Lives... The death of Superman so lives. What yeah. Yeah. yeah, that'd be cool if they did a Batman triumph. Yeah, she has a missed opportunity, actually, I think. But I guess the one bombed, right, beforehand. Yeah. And yeah. George Clooney was hot then, too, right, coming off of ER. Yeah. He was like the man. And Roseanne. <laughs> Always back to Roseanne. <laughs> he was in the first season of Roseanne. He plays Roseanne's boss and sure. Jackie's boss at the uh, factory. Well, You guys never saw Roseanne? No. Really. Nope. Oh, my goodness, guys. It is like top five sitcom. We're going to have an episode where we talk about nothing but classic sitcoms. Yeah, if it wasn't on TGIF, I wasn't watching it back yeah. then. Oh, me neither. If it didn't have a massive toy line, yeah. not a You didn't get the Roseanne toy and the Dan toy? <laughs> Speaking of lineups, Batman the Anime Series, one thing I want to touch on quickly, go back to it was the lineup that it had on Fox in the morning. Because Fox had control of all these shows. So it would have Batman, then well, Spider-Man. Batman was on Fox, kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was. Oh, yeah. Spider-Man, yeah. and then X-Men. Yeah. And I remember one day, I still remember this, so the Batman episode was Bane, the Spider-Man episode was Carnage, and the X-Men episode was Apocalypse, all in the same nice. day. Wow. It was Poof. You could tell a lot of cereal was eaten that day by oh, eight-year-old Sunjay. No homework was done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, too. Just great. And that show actually played Bane, or did Bane justice, compared to Batman and Robin. Yeah. I like to, comp- I like to call Batman and Robin and Batman Forever kind of this neon noir, where Gotham is this kind of like futuristic, with neon everywhere. It's kind of like Blade Runner, where they show like the city. I think it's Los Angeles, and it does look futuristic. The uh, Schumacher Gotham. It'd be an interesting setting to go back to in a comic book or something, or someone to pay homage to those films, because you see a lot of times comic book writers will pay homage to Batman '89. We had um, Scott Snyder when his run of um, Endgame. Where Joker throws a parade as mm. kind of an homage to the 89 film. That's right. Well, you know, kind of going off, uh, Batman Beyond kind of goes in off of the uh, electric looking city Gotham. You oh, know? okay. It's a very yeah. futuristic looking, kind of. Yeah. yeah. And then we saw a shift of the Batman films. So we had the flop of Batman and Robin in 1997. And then it wasn't until 2005, almost a decade later, oh. that wow. we had the reinvigoration of the Batman series by Christopher Nolan and his definitive trilogy. Of the Dark Knight trilogy, as it's now known as. And this was taking the Batman character back to this darker, very grounded. And they took very few liberties with kind of the superhero aspect Mm -hmm. of Batman. There wasn't that many fantastical elements. It was, this could happen in the real world. Mm -hmm. You know, these these villains were, you know, mostly the mob in the first one. You did have some weird elements with the Ra's al Ghul and that. Mm-hmm. And then as you progress through the series, you get very grounded Bane and Joker. And yeah. I would have loved to see a Riddler in this universe. Uh, yes. Yeah. I really wanted that. And it's, it's so rumored, right? That we're yeah. going to get DiCaprio as Riddler or somebody as yeah. Riddler in the next one. Yeah. And I just, I really wanted that. Or uh, James Gandolfini from Sopranos as Penguin. Oh, yeah. oh That was yeah. rumored wow. for a while, too. Yeah, that's cool. Because Penguin would have fit so well in that. It's just another mob boss maybe feuding with Maroney or something. I yeah. like that a lot. Yeah. You know, this is a series that, you know, we're, we're not going to say much here because yeah. we could talk, you know, for hours yeah. about this series. It's, like I said, it's definitive Batman. This is 
some of the best, if not the best trilogy of all time mm-hmm. when it comes to comic yeah. book movies. Mm-hmm. And there's not much that I would change about this. A lot of people have and rag on about The Dark Knight Rises as not being that epic end to a trilogy that no. maybe The Dark Knight was asking for. Yeah. But how do you top that movie? The Dark Knight sits as one of my favorite comic book movies of all time. Definitely. It's near this perfect. is Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> the only way you can describe it is yeah. perfection. You know, there's yeah. not many little flaws. Like I said at the start there that I don't really like that weird sonar scene. Mm-hmm. It kind of took me out of the movie. Yeah. But the Joker is fantastic. And Leto was okay as the Joker. There was some weird stuff. We talked about that <laughs> in our Suicide Squad review. Yeah. And subsequently after that. But the Ledger Joker is the best villain I think that's ever been put on screen. Yeah. I was For a comic book movie, yeah. I would agree. Yeah. yeah. There's Whenever you talk about best comic book movie villains, it's kind of like who's the best hockey player or who's the best basketball player you take away Gretzky you take away Jordan so that way you can have some sort of debate yeah it's the same with Ledger yeah. and who's the best comic book villain you take away Ledger now you have a debate now it's fun you leave yeah. Ledger in all three of us will probably say Ledger yeah, yeah exactly. and it's the only Oscar win for a comic book movie not in a technical aspect yeah so they yeah. always win like special effects yeah. maybe like a, a art direction or costume but no he actually won as an actor in hollywood for a comic book movie and you know the kind of hate that comic book movies get in hollywood and that just goes to show how great of a performance it truly was yeah they get all the hate but they prop up the whole industry yeah it's true if comic book movies if hollywood just woke up tomorrow and said you know what comic book movies not we're not doing it we'll do something else it would be out of business in five years so comic book movies here to stay but yeah, I mean, you know, you talk about going back and watching the Burden films now, and it's been what thirty years, about almost almost yeah. thirty years. And you see, you know, sometimes they don't really age well, and some of them still, you know, you go back and you're like, okay, I loved it as a kid, like Batman Forever, but now you probably wouldn't like it as much. I feel like these Nolan films in thirty years will be just as good, if not better, than they are today. Oh, I agree. These things will live on forever. They'll hold up over yeah. time. Yeah. I agree. There's nothing really. There's not a lot of CG in it. No. There, no. It's a lot of practical effects. The the grounded nature of it allows you to span generations. Yeah. And there wasn't so much of the technology in there, or even the cars in that, that are really going to date it. Yeah. No. And I think that's that's one big element that you're going to take from this. And I agree that mm-hmm. you're going to be able to watch these in 20 years and be like, was that made yesterday mm-hmm. or was that yeah. made 20 years ago? Yeah. yeah There's not many films you no. could do that. Definitely not. When's the last time you guys have seen these films? I watched them on uh, Batman Day. Oh, on, on Saturday? Yeah, yeah. Part two. Well, uh, Dark Knight. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't mess with um, the third one. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't count that a part of the we'll, trilogy. We'll have a nerd debate, and I'll talk about how the third one is my favorite. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. I look forward to that. Wow. Yeah. 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 Same here. Um, Tim, how about you? When's the last time you popped these into the... Maybe old... six months ago. I, yeah. If Dark Knight is on TV, I'll sit and watch it. Oh, yeah. You have to. Um, Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises are the ones I like the best. Mm-hmm. Um, Batman Begins is so good, but yeah. it's one I probably wouldn't if it was on TV. I'd be like, yeah, maybe I'll watch it. Yeah. That's always my gauge for how much I like a movie. <laughs> it's on TV if I sit and watch it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. no matter what. Yeah. But, oh, I agree. So the future for Batman looks pretty bright here. So we have the DC Cinematic Universe, which if you guys want to hear us talk about that, we talk about <laughs> the reviews of Suicide Squad, the evolution of the series, Man of Steel in our second episode, I believe. Yeah. And we got the Batman vs. Superman review. So go back and check that out in our catalog. So we talk a lot and almost every episode leading into Batman <laughs> Batman vs. Superman comes up every episode. A lot. So there's a lot of talking there. So we're not really going to go through the current iteration of Batman here in this discussion. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking at Batman from the DC Cinematic Universe, from the readership as far as what came out of New 52 and Rebirth, 
Are you guys excited with the direction that Batman is going both cinematically and from a comic book perspective? Comic book perspective? Absolutely on board. Um, if you guys have not checked out Batman All-Star, you got to do it. It's a team up of John Romano Jr. doing the art. And then you got, obviously, Scott Snyder uh, doing the story bo uh, board for this one. And it's just incredible. Mad Max meets Batman. Yeah, basically. that's the best way to describe 24, it. Twenty Four, even. Yeah, really cool so, book. That's yeah. encouraging to hear because when we looked at the very first issue of Rebirth, mm -hmm. I wasn't really sold on the Batman concept. That yeah. wasn't a really good introduction to Batman. So what you're saying now is it's got a lot better. Yeah, so this is another one. So there's okay. the Batman that you read, which is just Batman, which yeah. has gone a lot better too. Actually, yeah. that just wrapped up this story arc. Uh, Gotham, I believe. Yeah. I am Gotham. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So that one's really cool too. Uh, David Finch is the artist, and Tom King is the writer, which is pretty cool. Yeah. But um, All-Star Batman is kind of a standalone. It's in its own okay. world, and set in the Rebirth world. It's a monthly, too. Yeah, it's a monthly, and it's it's gritty. Man, this is a great book, guys. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Snyder's run, to me, is my Batman run. I yeah. started... This is the first Batman comic book I read was Court of Owls. Yes. And because of Batman Day, it was actually 40% off the graphic novel at uh, Indigo, so I ended up picking that up because... While I have the single issues, I'm not going to go back and reopen my Batman number one. Like, you know, so you got to get the graphic novels. And um, so I picked that up. And Snyder's Run is just every story arc just does such a great job of introducing different Batman mm -hmm. villains. Telling, different Batmans. Yeah, different Batmans, different uh, Joker stories. You had Joker, you had Mr. Freeze was in there, you had Clayface, you had the Court of Owls, so yeah. it gave us a brand new Batman yeah, villain. Mr. Bloom was yeah. introduced when you had um, Commissioner Gordon nice. take the role of Batman, and he's yeah. a great villain, right? Yeah, I mean, you talk about a villain who's a plant and he shoots spores at people, you'd be like, oh, that's so lame. Yeah, but when you see it yeah. in a comic book, down. Yeah. <laughs> Even the Calendar Man from the very first issue of Rebirth, Batman, yeah. that was a cool interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. Silly idea, right. sounds stupid on paper yeah when you look at how they portray it in the comic book i really enjoyed that aspect yeah. that's probably my favorite part about that book yeah, yeah. and it's so cool because we never really got any um harvey dent two-face throughout the whole new 52 yeah one. so it's really cool going back now and reading um all-star batman he gets a chance to really dive deep with this character nice. yes right? yeah. i might have to revisit that i'm a big fan <laughs> yeah. of two-face too nice. yeah and if you do like them revisiting and trying to uh, go back to batman's history if you want to go back and read grant morrison's run from the 2000s mid to late 2000s so he goes back and tries to legitimize Batman from the 70s and all those like sci-fi stories. So he goes back and creates this other Batman where he has like this purple and yellow oh, costume. And it goes back and tries to make sense of the whole sci-fi Batman from the yeah. 60s and 70s. So yeah. check it out. It's worth it's worth the read. I haven't read it yet, but uh, Baron says it's pretty good. So that's good enough for me. And if you want a really cool twist on it, uh, pre-New 52 Batman, you can do, uh, I think it's Scott Snyder, or maybe it is Grant Morrison. I think it's Grant Morrison, and he does uh, Batman and Robin, but it's now Robin being played by Damian Wayne. That's right. Right, so Batman's son, and it's Dick Grayson uh, under the, the cowl yeah. of Batman. And it's a really cool dynamic between these two characters. Yeah, yeah it's, check it's, it out. I think it's about six uh, six trades you can get. Yeah, I think it's yeah. called like Beyond the Black Mirror or something like that. Yeah, that was a standalone of just oh, Batman, okay. but the other ones are Batman and Robins, but nice. they're all good. Yeah. So, one question I have for you guys, you know, talking about the future of Batman and whatnot, we're going to see him appear in Justice League. So, the first Justice League film, Batman's going to be one of the cornerstones, one of the creative juices or creative forces between or behind Justice League. Do you prefer a solo Batman or Batman in a team series? For the cinematic verse? Yeah, for the cinematic verse. Standalone. Standalone. Yeah. Yeah. Standalone. Yeah. Unless he has a sidekick, that's cool, but nothing more. I don't yeah. really care yeah. much for him on the... 
It's the idea yeah. of developing Batman in his own universe versus developing Batman as part of a bigger universe. So this is the first yeah. time we're seeing him integrated into a bigger cinematic universe outside of his own standalone universe. So it'll be interesting to see how he integrates with the larger crowd. That's right. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure talking Batman. Celebrating Batman Day here. At the oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Celebrate so. Batman! Woo! <laughs> so you guys can always catch us on Twitter. Our handle's at the end of the episode. You can get us at hashtag enter the nerd room. Yeah. Do not forget our new Star Wars Rebels postcast, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Ooh, Star like Wars that. Rebel Alert is dropping this coming Monday. So check us out on Twitter and make sure to check out that new podcast. So yeah, we got lots of cool stuff coming down the pipe. Yeah. We got Force Friday next week. Really looking forward to it. Joined by guys. Izzy. Izzy is coming. Oh, got a few of the boys go. coming down to check it out. Sanjay, are you joining? I might. We'll yeah. see. We'll see if you can. Uh, if, you can come. Uh, if I if Troy buffs out C three PO, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it. <laughs> All right, guys. For the nerd room, I'm Tim. I'm Sanjay. I'm Troy. And thank you for entering the nerd room. See this paper? It's like a Japanese door. Get a digital version of something. <laughs> <laughs> the only one I know that has a pen and paper. <laughs> Make me you millennial. <laughs> I'm the millennial. <laughs> we are out. Don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. You can find our hosts Tim, Sunday, and Troy on Twitter at the NerdRM1912 Podcasting and Troy the Boy87.